As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Well, welcome, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are Brothers in Arms on this Friday, March 4th. Warm Friday, 55 degrees when I woke up, George. We had a foot of snow a couple of days ago. Few Some days parts ago. of Jews, it, yep. like, it was like a foot and a half. Wow. And now there's no snow. It's yeah. Gone. But you know what, Billy? <laughs> I am on top of the world today. <laughs> uh, how about that, folks? George is on top of the Imagine that. Imagine Dragons. Yeah. It's our song, man. It is. Indeed, it is. <laughs> so it's been an, an interesting week. Uh, it's supposed to actually temperatures going down rapidly throughout the day, as you guys know. I'm going up but, um, uh, skiing this evening. Where are you going? Uh, the Catskills, Wyndham. No, you have gone skiing quite a bit. I go a lot in the winter. I went down, I went skiing once in my life in college. I, I just, you know, I, my wife is not a skier, so. Um, Neither is I, mine. I, I went down the mountain once. I was dating this other girl, and she hated it, so I spent the rest of the time at the bottom where all my friends were skiing, you know, with my date. In the lodge. In the lodge. In front of the fire. <laughs> in front of the fire. Drinking hot toddies. Hot Coco, actually, it's, believe it or not. Hot cocoa. That's what it was. In hot college? Cocoa. In college. Really? Well, you know, I was driving, George, even back Irish then. Irish hot cocoa? <laughs> but yeah, so that's something I got to do sometime. I got to definitely hit the slopes and actually, I'll bunny slope it for a while and learn. Uh, sure, man. I'll teach you. There we go. I mean, it's kind of tough in your 50s to start uh, learning to ski, uh, though, but, I got to say. Come on. I'm <laughs> but ready. a man of your physical uh, talents, your athletic skill, Billy, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be a quick study. <laughs> well, we'll definitely be doing that. Uh, we have a, a great show for everyone, by the way. We have uh, our guest is John Leonetti, phenomenal apologist the and great evangelist. John Leonetti. He is. He really is great. Yeah, he he's gave, extraordinary. Uh, he's given a couple missions uh, at uh, my brother's parish, uh, St. William the Abbot, and uh sort of a standing room only scenario. He's just really gifted. Um, and we have a lot to talk to him about and some of the things he's working on. So that's great. But before we get any any deeper into anything else, we have a saint for the month, don't we, George? We sure do, Billy, as we always do. And our saint of the month this month is someone who I think probably nobody's really heard of. There may be a few out there, but his name is uh, Francisco Spinelli. Spinelli uh-huh. was the... Uh, uh, my stepmother's last name. So I have stepbrothers whose last name is Spinelli. Spinelli. You have a little so Italian in you. Huh? Well, stepbrothers, uh, second oh, marriage that's for, true. There for my, my dad. Um, but Fran- Francisco Spinelli was a priest. Uh, he was born April 14th, 1853 in Milan, Italy. Died February 6th, 1913 at the age of 59. So his feast day is February 6th, which I believe will be... Uh, when is that? Today's the fourth. It might so be, be Sunday. Two, in two, yeah, Sunday. Sunday, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was beatified in 1992 by John Paul II. Mm-hmm. He was canonized in October 2018 by Pope Francis. Very cool. So he is yeah. officially a saint? He is. He is. And he is the patron of Sisters Adorers of the Blessed Sacrament. So he founded an order of uh, nuns that... Uh, do perpetual adoration and so have he, some other. He's another saint focused on the Eucharist. Yeah, totally. So Francisco, uh, as a child, 
he would help his mother in visiting the poor and the needy in Milan. And an interesting uh, fact was he entertained other children by putting on puppet shows, mm. which I thought was kind of cool uh, at a young age like that, using his whatever talents he has to, to, to make other people happy, right? He studied for the priesthood in Bergamo, Italy, and he was ordained in 1875. So he was, uh, I guess that would make him 24 when he was ordained. And later that year, uh, in, in 1875, he had a vision of women perpetually adoring the Blessed Sacrament. And in 1882, seven years later, he helped found a religious order dedicated to the Eucharist and Eucharistic adoration. Wow. However, it failed, and he was greatly saddened by what happened. He actually left the diocese that he was in. There was some financial issues and some internal fighting and whatnot, so it didn't, didn't work out. Um, he moved to Cremona, Italy, and there he founded the Sisters Adores of the Blessed Sacrament. So he didn't give up, even though he, he met with failure. Um, these sisters were given diocesan approval in 1897, and the order continues today and operates in countries such as Argentina, Senegal, the Republic of Congo, uh, and as of a lot of two, African missionaries, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And as of 2015. There were 274 members of religious women, and they owned 49 houses. Wow. Probably in about seven or eight different countries around the world. And boy, so. do we need those women. Yeah. We yeah. really do. And the, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right, but they call them uh, adoratrices. Okay. You know what? You did just as good as I did. I'm sure we'll be corrected somewhere. <laughs> those are the adorers. <laughs> uh, and they dedicate themselves to social pastoral care, especially among drug addicts prostitutes, incarcerated, and terminally ill, wow. making the world a better place. Indeed. Uh, and they also have turns of continuous prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. So if there's one thing in all your research on on St. Spinelli, right? Yes. Saint- um, what do you get out of him? What, what, what is he in your mind? I, I mean, I see the Eucharist. Sure. But is there anything that, that you got out of that besides that? Yeah, I think sometimes, uh, you know, he had a vision of these women Right, uh, in adoring the Blessed Sacrament. A much more wholesome vision than a lot of other men out there, I <laughs> right. suppose. Yeah. Um, but right after he became a priest, right? And he went out and he found So he's like, oh, this must be from God, right? Uh, and founded an mm-hmm. order of women who were adoring the Blessed Sacrament. And it fell apart, completely fell apart. And I, I would think that a lot of people I know in my life, uh, sometimes we pray for God's will. We have a vision of something mm. and we expect that, uh, once it starts to happen, that's what God wants, right? And for whatever reason, that particular order wasn't what God wanted. It didn't work, right? And and but He didn't give up. He mm. was faithful to the vision He had, and He tried again. You know, so uh, if we don't get it right the first time, God will help us get it right uh, the second time. And as the saying always goes, Billy, if God wants something to happen, the doors will easily open, right? Yeah, yeah. And it also talks about human perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, we can apply that obviously to our spiritual life. We can apply mm-hmm. that to our, our life, you know, as men. Just the vocation we have daily as as a single guy or a married guy or a parent, whatever. Sure. We just got we got to persevere. We got to keep getting up. And yes. I think he's the saint of keep getting up. Yeah, if you will. Yeah, and I also like the puppet shows he did for kids when he was a kid. 
Okay. <laughs> it, you do that nowadays, they might think you're a little creepy. I don't know. The days of Jim Henson. He was Jim a kid. Henson. He wasn't a, he wasn't <laughs> like a 50 year old man doing puppet shows. <laughs> I saw a funny. Not like Mr. Producer I, doing puppet shows, you know? I saw a funny meme on that, actually, but that's, uh, that's good stuff. But mm. so I guess, St. Spinelli, uh, please pray for us uh, as we approach your feast day, uh, which happens to be this particular Sunday. Yeah, and he's such a recent saint, too. I thought it was yeah. interesting, right? Yeah. He was actually, uh, he was canonized, I, I read, in in St. Peter's Square, as uh, saints are. Um, and uh, Oscar Romero was probably about six or seven other people who were, you know, uh, uh, beatified or canonized sure. when he was, uh, I think uh, Oscar Romero, I don't believe is a saint yet, but I think he was beatified in the same ceremony. Yeah, yeah. It's a sainthood is not something uh, that is old. It's something that is ever new, and something we're all supposed to strive for, really. Yeah. Remember, everyone. Well said, if Billy. you want to go to heaven, you got to be a saint. <laughs> you do, <laughs> right? So it's not like, oh, well, wait a second. Do you want to go to heaven? I do. Well, that's what it is. It's called being a saint. <laughs> well, as you know, when Mother Teresa was being interviewed after she received, I think it was the the Nobel Peace Prize, right? And mm-hmm. there was a reporter, a, a secular news media reporter, who uh, asked her, um, you know, so mother, they're, they're calling you a saint. What do you think? What do you think about that? Like they're, everybody's saying that you're a saint. And, and Mother Teresa looked at her and said, you're called to be a saint too. We're all called to be saints. <laughs> the alternative it's is like, less appetizing. And you should have seen the look on the, on the reporter's face. She was like, what if not the answer she expected? That's so true. So, well, anyway, so St. Spinelli, please pray for us. Um, we are going to go to our first break, and we're going to come back with some news, and then uh, another break, and then come back with our interview. Scene two. Hi, this is Peter Herbeck, host of Fire on the Earth, heard right here on Domestic Church Radio every morning, Monday through Friday at 6.45 a.m. Join us as we seek to hear the voice of Jesus who calls each one of us personally to follow him, to share in his life, his mission, and his destiny, and to live the high adventure of Catholic discipleship. I hope you can join us every morning, 6.45 a.m. on Domestic Church Radio. God bless you. For the Jews of old, the temple was the holiest place in the universe, and the spiritual center of the temple was the Holy of Holies. It was blocked off by a thick curtain, and only the high priest could enter to offer sacrifice to God. He had to have a rope tied around his ankle in case he died in there so he could be dragged out because no one else was ever allowed in. I lead a pilgrimage to the Holy Land every year, and to this day, you can see Jewish people from around the world come to the Wailing Wall, the closest place to where the Holy of Holies was, just to touch that wall. When Jesus died, The curtain separating the Holy of Holies was torn in two, not from bottom to top, which man could have done, but in an act of God from top to bottom. Why? Because in the new covenant, God's dwelling place is you. You are the holiest place in the universe. Do you live like it? This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. We want to invite you to pray the rosary with us. The rosary is many things. But perhaps the best way to think about the rosary is to think about it as a spiritual place, as an invisible chapel that you can enter into even in a busy time of life. Pray the Holy Rosary with Father Benedict Groeschel, mornings at 9.30, right here on Domestic Church Radio. 
Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Marm here with George Rose. We're Brothers in Arms. We're here at our second segment of the show on March 4th, this rainy, warmer-than-usual March 4th. Uh, we just talked about our saint, uh, Saint Spinelli, uh, so please pray for us. Um, and now we're going to talk a little bit about the news. And, you know, we both kind of uh, wanted to mention an uh, upcoming movie that's coming up this Good Friday uh, uh, about Father Stu. Want you? Yeah, I can't. I can't it. wait to see this, Billy. But you know, what we should mention first is maybe our 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 men's conference well, at the end of the month. That's right. It's coming right <laughs> up. That's right. We have our Catholic Men for Jesus Christ conference live. Saint Joseph's back in the flesh. Back in the flesh. Saint Joseph's Parish in Tom's River. Please, guys, we got to break out of the funk we are in from this virus and get together, um, and and you know be present. Be present as a, as a body. I think, I think people are ready for it, Billy. You know, we were at the Knights of the Immaculata retreat back in November, and it was busting at the seams. It was over 300 guys there for a full weekend, Friday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think everybody's just dying for this, this kind are, of stuff. They are. They right? are. It's funny because uh, I, Marky Mark, if you will, Mark Wahlberg's movie, Stu, was the trigger to remind George to talk about the conference because we got his brother. We do. Jimmy well, we should talk about our guests a little yeah, bit. Yeah, go ahead, Billy. Let's so, talk about them. Well, first off, the conference is going to be on February 26th, mm-hmm. the last Saturday of the month, as it always is. Always is. Is at St. Joseph and Tom's River. And if you remember, last year we did a virtual conference. This is actually our 25th annual conference, though, Billy. I mean, this that's, year. that's sort of, uh, what is that, the silver anniversary? Yeah, quarter of a century. Wow. So wow. Uh, that's pretty impressive. First conference was in 1998, started by Jim Manhart, Bernie Berry. And yep. All the other guys. Um, so uh, it's quite a milestone. And it's the oldest conference, first and oldest men's conference in New Jersey. Maybe even in the Northeast. I, I don't know if anyone in sure, the Northeast. Sure, let's run with it. Hey, oldest in the, the Northeast. The oldest in the North- <laughs> East Coast. The oldest in America. Yeah. <laughs> the oldest conference ever. East of the Mississippi. Uh, <laughs> so In the but, shoes of the fishermen. But our guests are... Um, well, our, our speaker is going to give us two talks. Will yep. be uh, Chris Paget, phenomenal speaker from uh, up from the Syracuse area. Chris is just a, a a troubadour for the Lord. He's a musician. He's an author, comedian. He's, he's a, a comedian. He'll have you laughing. He does. He's a Catholic convert. He does a lot of youth conferences at Steubenville, uh, Franciscan University, and and just travels around the country. This is his gig. He's got like nine kids. Fun loving guy. Highly recommended speaker. Very, very funny. Uh, from, so he's going to have an amazing told. message. And, you know, you guys all know about Mark Wahlberg, the famous actor who's who's sort of had a reversion to the faith. Upcoming movie uh, about Father Stu is coming out with Mel Gibson. Um, you know about his brother, probably Donnie, who's, who's you know, been in Blue Hollywood. Bloods. Yeah, Blue Bloods and other programs. Um, well, it's a really interesting family. And we got Jim Wahlberg, who maybe was... Probably self-proclaimed the worst of the bunch um, with yeah. regards to crime and in jail yeah. and all that. But he had amazing yeah, Jim, Jim spent time in prison in his uh, teens and early 20s um, for uh, a variety of things. He was a drug addict and uh, for for dealing. And he was a very lost soul. And um, he had a reversion slash conversion in prison. He received his, his confirmation. Uh in prison. Mm. Uh, he had not received all of his sacraments, but it's a great, remarkable story. And he tells it well. Uh, and he's going to be a, a guest at our conference as well to give his testimony. We're really lucky to have him. He's great. 
Uh, Jim Manhart from Catholic Men in Florida has had him speak a couple of times, and he's gotten. Uh, he said he's phenomenal. He said I had Chris Stefanik and Jim Wahlberg at the conference. He said, and Chris is great. He always is. But always. to be honest, he said the guys coming up to me afterwards like. Wow, that Jim Wahlberg—that was some story, you know. So, well, it connects, right? Yeah. It resonates, and and so we want you guys up here to have that same experience. So, yep. let's get together again. Let's storm St. Joseph's and Tom's River and and try to fill it. Yeah. Um, I, and Billy, don't forget our most high highest rated speaker every year, the bishop. The bishop. <laughs> We've got the bishop, bishop coming O'Connor. in, of course. And, yeah. and you know, we we do the survey monkey every year. And the the highest touted guest we have every year is the bishop. He always gets the highest, always, highest always. marks so on the survey. Let's be there and and, and uh, support our bishop, support our conference, support our church, and uh, let's uh, let's put fear fear you know provided you're healthy you know let's try to put fear aside and get together. Yes, let's do it. It's time. It is indeed. So we got some other things going on yeah. in the world. Uh, talk about Father Stu, the, the movie Stu. So yeah, Billy, you and I, we both found, um, uh, we both found this uh, info article about uh, this new movie coming out on Good Friday. Mm. Uh, Sony Pictures is going to be putting it out, and it's the true story of a Catholic fr- priest. Uh, his name's Father Stu. The name of the movie is Father Stu, mm. and uh, Mark Wahlberg plays. Father Stu, and uh, we saw an interview with Mark, and he's been trying to get this movie made for like six years. He loves the story. Right. Uh, Mel Gibson is also in it. I think he, Mel Gibson plays uh, Father Stu's father, his earthly father. Um, and it looks like a great movie, you know? Like, Father Stu, Stu Long was his name. Ex-boxer, uh, Golden ex- Gloves, yeah, champ. Yeah, he, uh, he was a tough guy, Football man. player. A wrestler, you know, played football in high school. Golden Gloves champ. Boxer during college. He was the, yeah, the champ, the Golden Gloves heavyweight champ for Montana in 1985. Uh, and he was a tough guy. Went to Hollywood, L.A., tried to, uh, you know, tried to have a career in filmmaking, playing tough guy roles, worked as a bouncer at nightclubs, comedy clubs, was not a man of faith. He says he was a disinterested agnostic. Anti-Christian. <laughs> who antagonized priests and his fellow students. And he described himself as the quintessential anti-Christian. Sort of like St. Paul, right? Uh, attacking the church. Not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. He wasn't, wasn't planning on putting anyone to death. Yes. <laughs> uh, but then one, in one night in 1998, he was riding his motorcycle home from work. He was a motorcycle rider. He was struck by a car, got run over by a second vehicle, very severe injuries, the emergency room doctors did not expect him to recover and called his family to pay their last respects. And then he had an out-of-body experience. Near death, yeah. Uh, near-death experience. Um, make a long story short, totally changed his life, completed RCI training in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, was received into the Catholic Church, and eventually became a priest. And it's a great story. Mm. Uh, and Mark Wahlberg is playing the role of Father Stu. Well, I'm certainly going to watch the movie. Absolutely. You know, um, it, you know, it would be great someday to even get Mark Wahlberg for the conference. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. We'll ask Jim, but I'm sure Jim gets asked that yeah, all yeah, the time, probably. right? <laughs> probably better not even to ask him. We're fact, so happy to have Jim. Yeah, but you know what? I think Jim's story is probably better. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. From I mean, when you talk about, you know, from coming completely 180 in your life, uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. Some other things, uh, shifting gears, um, I thought was interesting. Um uh, one of uh, 
Georgia's stocks actually fell 26%. Facebook, the parent company Meta, fell uh, 26%. Yeah, my three shares. <laughs> which is probably actually worth something. Um, they, they're, they're describing it as uh, the fact that Apple put up some new security measures for ads and stuff, hurt their stock and everything. But the reason why I thought that was interesting, because they're, they're making a really big push for this whole Meta thing. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Ready Player One. Um, Very good movie. It, I, I enjoyed is, that. You know, I recommend you watching it because that's what's coming. That's what Zuckerberg is trying to do. He's trying to create a virtual world. And, you know, there's some real frightening possibilities. Similar to that the Matrix come. as well, right, Bill? In, in, I mean, some, in some ways. The Matrix is like way beyond. Yeah, but, well, you know. the Matrix, you're like you're like a body in a pod that don't, isn't, right. don't, don't even know that this is going on. Right. This is a virtual world that you immerse yourself into. But the fear there is... You know, people are going to sort of lose their lives a little bit in identity. And, you know, it, it, there's nothing real about that. Mm. So there's got to be a psychology there, a negative psychology backlash that's going to come from this sort of stuff. So that's something that I'm a little the, nervous what's about. What's the point to it? What's the point to a metaverse? Like well, just you can, distraction? Yeah, entertainment? I mean, and they're even selling property on metaverse that, you mm. know, you can buy metaverse property and, and this way you have it, if you will. Um, and ultimately, you put these virtual goggles on and you go into this world and you interact in a fake artificial world. But you could be anything you want. You could do all kinds of things and so forth. So there's a sort of a there's, there's definitely there's going to be psychological ramifications. And, and you know, you think about it, your kids getting so immersed already mm. in technology. Can mm. you imagine? Yeah. You know, people losing days and hours into this metaverse and. You know, it just doesn't, I, 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 it's, I could see it being problematic. So it's definitely something to keep your eye on. Mm. Um, and I, I just found it to be kind of interesting. Yeah. And is that, so did that, is that, that's not tied into the drop in Facebook stock, is it? I, I metaver, don't, meta I, stock? that's not what the article, the article was talking about how Amazon put these security measures on, uh, which hurt some of the advertising. Gotcha. That's what they were, they were Apple, proclaiming. Mean, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think quite frankly, there's going to be as much of a, I think there's going to be a quiet pushback against this metaverse, but I think there's a lot of people that are going to be really all for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's coming. I think the technology is coming. It's just something I think to watch out for. Mm -hmm. um, certainly if you're a parent and, uh, you know, can you imagine, did you ever play a video game in your life and get lost into a couple hours into it and you come off and you're like, you just feel sort of bad. It's like, what did I just do? Hmm. I can relate to that going back years ago. It's like, oh, I, I don't even do the video games much anymore hmm. um, at all. Um, and, and can you imagine this? Your kids you're, nowadays, even yeah. my, my son, I mean, he could play video all games for hours, all of them, hours, all of them. So there's a repercussion to this and it's just something to keep your eyes open. Yeah. Um, another re interesting, I know you have something, another interesting story I wanted to touch on. What I thought was interesting was the, we, you know, in this cancel culture, the CEO of Spotify actually is holding his ground. Daniel in support, Eck, Yes. Right? In support of Joe Rogan. Cause it's been backlash because Rogan has, put some uh, contrary to narrative guests on with regards to, you know, you know, asking some questions, legitimate questions on concern with regards to the vaccines. And that has triggered uh, a lot of Hollywood people, uh, music people and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and people like that to pull their music from Spotify. So it's caused a little bit of a controversy. And I think to the credit of uh, this CEO, he's sort of holding his ground, um, and I think we it, there's a lesson in that because cancel culture is is so contrary to freedom of speech. So mm. great tenant. Yeah, I think Joe country. Rogan came out and said he's I'm just trying to have interesting conversations with interesting people. Yeah. But I did hear him say too that I, I should probably give the other side as well some of these issues. 
I think yeah. he, he has well, but maybe I, tended to be a little one-sided maybe in some of his uh, content. Maybe, <clears> but <throat> but as he's not a hard news. He himself said that. He's not hard <laughs> news, so he certainly has the right to do whatever he wants. And, sure. You know, unless true. he's not lewd or anything like that. Hey, listen, have at it. Um, yeah, as far yeah. as I'm, as far as I see it, with regards to free speech, so I, I appreciate this. We support him, Bill. You know why? He's a Jersey guy. He's from Newark, New Jersey. No, I actually grew up in 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 New England, but well, maybe he was, he was born, born in Newark, Newark. New Jersey. Ah, gotcha. I thought he was a Jersey guy. Yeah, he, he grew <laughs> up in New England. Uh, okay, outside of Boston, sort of like our guest at the Catholic Member Jesus Christ Conference at the end of this month, Jimmy Walberg. <laughs> Jimmy Walberg. Everything comes back to the conference, guys. Everything and the Walbergs and the Walberg. <laughs> yeah. But you have something associated with Valentine's Day for all the lovely wives and girlfriends out there. I do, Billy. Um, as we all know, Valentine's St. Valentine's Day is coming up on uh, February 14th, it is. as it does every year. So the National Catholic Register has a few, has a gift guide. The well, Catholic, when, it, when is Valentine's Day this year, by the way, before I we get into it? I believe it's a Monday. Okay. We're typical guys, by the way, which... Yep. <laughs> we better so it's a that. week from Let's, Monday. It is the 14th. For all you guys out there driving, it's the 14th. Don't screw this up, all right? <laughs> go ahead, George. Uh, so this is the Catholic Valentine's Day gift guide. You could go to the register, National Catholic Register online, and just gotcha. search the Catholic Valentine's Day gift guide. But it had some good ideas. Better than, you know, the box of chocolate that I usually get for my wife. They have one suggestion is, uh, and they have suggestions for both men, for women, for kids, for teachers. So one idea is uh, his and hers copies of uh, a book called A Spouse Who Prays. Mm. So you can give that to your wife and you guys can can pray. It's a, a recurring gift that will last all year until next Valentine's Day. <laughs> Which Very is, cool. Yeah, well, not too many gifts that will last all year long like that, right? Uh, other gifts for women, the Telos Art Shop. Uh, they have beautiful jewelry, uh, Catholic necklaces, medals, rings. They have something called the Miraculous Slider, mm. the Our Lady of Perpetual Help Cameo. There's a discount code in here if you want to go there. There is uh, another idea is the Lenten Cookbook from Sophia Institute Press. Not just a cookbook, but a guide for mealtimes in Lent. And, with- you know, you could always <laughs> get that book for your, your significant other and dovetail the recipes you like. There's there nothing you wrong go. with that. There you go. <laughs> it has beautiful Lenten teachings and reflections by Scott Hahn in it and other recipes unique recipes from chef and former vatican swiss guard david geiser okay there you go uh let's see what else house of joppa statues uh saint therese statue really beautiful fashionable uh and prayerful gorgeous rosary bracelets from grotto catholic i I guess in some ways these gifts are a little more in line with the actual saint right in the sense that it is a saint Peace yeah. we're celebrating. Yeah, with well, these are more, yeah, more meaningful gifts. Um, you're going to like this one, Billy, for children. So if you have a daughter out there or okay. for a mom or a dad, um, adorable Princess Saint paper puppets and Soldier Saint paper puppets from Studio Saint. I, I sort of think George is going to like that because he were really harping <laughs> on the whole puppetry of uh, our Saint. Saint Francisco Spinelli. <laughs> you can get your own little paper puppets. So, Carrie, if you're listening to this as a Valentine's Day gift for your husband, George Rose, a box of puppets will do well. Yeah, you know, they could entertain your friends. Mr. Producer, we could, than... have, we could have a podcast of George, you know, with a puppet show. Rather we, than... <laughs> 
<laughs> rather than a metaverse where you, you know, no, it's a puppet. Nothing real about it's it. It's George and the puppet verse. Yeah. <laughs> we got a regular Jim Henson in the ma- in the makings there. <laughs> uh, Very cool. Well, yeah, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff you can go there too. There's a hot cocoa gift box from Theology of Home. There's other. Well, um, why don't you why don't you roll out the stuff. website one more time? Well, just go. The article is in. National Catholic National Register. Catholic Register. Just go there and look for Valentine's Day Look for Day Valentine's gift Day gifts. And we are going to go to our final break, and we're going to come back with our wonderful guest, John Leonetti. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the, the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have uh, the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to, and I know where I'm going, and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Bishop Robert Barron on the priesthood. For the first thousand years, there were married priests within the church. There still are married priests under certain circumstances, you know, so it's not absolutely necessary. However, I'm a supporter of it, and I wouldn't want us to move in the direction of kind of a, hey, you know, optional, some do it, some don't. I get it. And I, I go back to Paul, and it's Paul's words that are actually in the ordination ritual, you know, about an undivided life, undivided life, a total gift. I have nothing but the greatest respect for married people. In fact, when I hear the term heroic sanctity, when they talk about saints, I think of parents right away, you know, who give themselves to their kids. But there's something, I think, pure and simple and undivided about the life of celibacy. It's a radical conformity unto the celibate Christ. Why am I celibate? My ultimate answer, because Jesus was, and I'm conformed to him. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are Brothers in Arms, and we're here with our final segment of the show on this uh, warmer February 4th. Uh, we were all joking earlier about how we had a foot and a half snow just like three days ago. And all it's gone all now. Gone. It's all <laughs> gone. So, we're listen, we're here with an, a really special guest. Uh, John Leonetti is an, an amazing evangelist and speaker and author, and um, I, I had the... I almost had the uh, a, a option and ability to see him as my brother had him at a recent mission that was apparently phenomenally received. So it's such a shame I was traveling for work. But, John, it's such a pleasure for us to actually have you here on the show and talk a little bit about what, what you do. Are there any greater names in radio than Bill and George? <laughs> and and Bill Maher at that, right? <laughs> I, John, I am the Bill, politically I mean, correct Solid names, the Bill and George show. That's what I'm going to call it, the Bill and George show. That's what I love. That is high praise from the great John Leonetti. <laughs> we'll take it. Oh, Bill, George, and John. There we are. There you go. <laughs> Strong. I, I love it. John, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you know, George, why don't you share a little bit with the audience, uh, you know, who John is, and, and we're going to rip into this. Uh, sure. Uh, so John 
John, if you don't mind, I'll just introduce you to our guys a little bit. So, you, I mean, you basically, you're a Catholic speaker, you're a writer, best-selling author, you're a radio host, and your message is, uh, says here, uh, is you convey a message of lasting fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So you're basically an evangelist who uses a lot of different mediums. You've written a number of books. Uh, I think your first couple uh, were published uh, by Matthew Kelly's uh, Dynamic Catholic Book Program. Well, I love the books that come out from that, yeah, that's phenomenal. by the way. Um, and, you know, your, your most recent book, uh, I was really impressed. I haven't read it yet, but I love the name, first of all, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Holiness, which is great. Makes me think of uh, Mark Levin for some reason. Life, Liberty, oh, yeah. and, and Levin. <laughs> a constitutionalist. Well, let's read one of the actual uh, reviews. Peter yeah. Kraft, doctor, who, by the way, is one of my favorite. Talk about a brilliant man. This is what Peter said about the book. Most books are either clear or profound. This is both. Most books are either traditional or up-to-date. This is both. Most books are either theoretical or practical. This is both. Most books are either complex or simple. This is both. A delight to read and to live. Now, that's, that's an amazing review. There's quite a few reviews, by the way, on this book, and I am going to get it because, you know, when Dr. P- uh, Kreeft actually gives a review... It's thoughtful, and, and he is one of the great thinkers of, of the American church. So you, you, you must have been delighted to get that review, John. Can I get my wife on the loan to hear all this? <laughs> and your mother, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just a little reminder here. Just a little reminder. No, I appreciate it, you guys. I, look, it was, it, was, um, it was a book that it wasn't easy to write. I wrote it right in the midst of the pandemic, but I, uh, I went all in for it, and I said this is going to be— this is going to be something I'm not going to I'm not going to hold back. And um, when I got that that quote from Peter Crampton, he's my hero. Um, you know, he's he's actually turned me down before just because life, busyness, and all of that. But when sure. I, I sent it to him and he, he gave that quote, I was I was I was thrilled. That's amazing. And yeah, it, that means he actually read it, right? <laughs> right. Which is which is impressive. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. So so tell me, why don't you share with the guys what what you're doing these days? So I I, I travel. Um, about six months out of the year, and uh, give uh, two two things. I, I do parish missions, and then I also uh, speak at men's conferences. Um, just got back last week from uh, Savannah, the, the men's conference down there, and it was just fantastic. Um, I'm with Heroic Men as well. Heroic Men is an initiative out of the uh, Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. And, um, I do a heroic minute for them each week, uh, which is just you know something short, simple, from my car. Don't worry, I'm not uh, a driver when I'm doing it, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. But, I mean, the, the whole idea is for us to cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. to, to do so through the, the Catholic Church. And this is what I believe um, and why I'm Catholic is because I believe that there's there's no other uh, way for me. Uh, it, it's the best way, at least as far as I can see, to be able to be in heaven with God for all eternity someday, and that's what I want. And I believe it's my Catholic faith that gives me the best chance at that, through the sacraments, uh, through, through the many graces, of course, that are received there, through Our Lady, um, the many graces that are received through her Immaculate Heart, uh, and so on. Here we are. Uh, it, it, it's time for us to become saints. You know, if we were to sort of distill your message to men, because um, you have quite a few men listening to this uh, as, as they truck home uh, from work uh, at the 6 o'clock hour today, um, in the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area, what what is what is your message to men distilled uh, in this absolutely crazy world that we're living in? 
My message would be there's no other meaning, reason, or purpose to your life than to become a saint, mm. to be in heaven with God for all eternity. Um, a saint is anyone in heaven, as the Catechism uh, clearly uh, explains. It is not just someone like Mother Teresa. You don't have to you know, start a religious order with um, you know, 5,000 active sisters in 132 countries like she did. Um, you don't have to be the long, third longest reigning pope uh, of all time like St. John Paul II. Um, that you can be you, and and there's no one on earth that God has created like you, and there's no one in heaven that God has created like you, but God has created you for a purpose, and the same shared purpose, and that is to be with Him for all eternity, to be sanctified, to be in heaven with Him forever. It's not about how much money you make. I've never seen an ATM in the cemetery. Mm. Uh, it's not it's not how much uh, you know fame you get. It's not uh, the title that's going to get you there. Uh, in the end. We come into the world the way we—we go out of the world the way we came into the world, naked, uh, bare, uh, and and it's a matter of, um, you know, for us to, uh, I think, to come alive and understand it, because, you know, death is a reality. It, it, I, I'll tell you this, guys, I, I am confronted right now with my own mortality in a way I've never been. My, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, two weeks ago was diagnosed with a brain tumor, mm. and I, um, I've never been at the cross like this. I've never been. In fact, you know, the last two weeks in my travels, I said, you are getting a different John Lennetti than you, you thought you were getting. Because I've never in my life been at the cross. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing in this kind of suffering in a very real way. Uh, but it's a, it, it is apparent to me um, that our Lord is pushing onto me, at least, and as well as many others in my family, that we are all going to die someday. You know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Um, you know, the death rate, I don't know if you guys know this, but the death rate amongst humans is 100%. <laughs> that means we, we, we aren't getting out Who of this. Who told you that? <laughs> we aren't getting out of this life alive. But it's not about this life. Uh, this life is, is conforming ourselves to the cross so that we can be resurrected with Him in heaven. Mm. And uh, no matter what those crosses might be, no matter what those sufferings might be, no matter what those joys might be, and we stand at the foot of Christ, uh, the foot of the cross with Jesus Christ, and, and uh, we ask for Him to sanctify us, whether we live 35 years, whether we live 105 years. But that is the message. You distill it down. It is to become a saint. Keep our vision clear. Keep our focus clear. Be disciplined, disciple, disciplined in that, and following our Lord, and um, everything everything will turn out okay. You know, hey, John, what's, uh, what's your brother-in-law's name? We'll ask our guys to pray for him. I appreciate that. It's Michael, Michael. and uh, he's a Catholic man, uh, a man of, of great faith. Um, we were praying. My sister was away from the church for a while, and we were praying uh, not just for her. We were praying that someone would come into her life and would bring her back to the faith, and it just so happened to be uh, her boyfriend at the time and uh, then fiancé, and they've been married for three years now. So um, please keep them in your prayers. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's when—you when, know, actually, I was diagnosed with cancer about five years ago myself, and— uh, yeah. Those early days, uh, man, you feel really close to God. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I always remember a story that uh, somebody told me about Father Brian Woodrow, who's a priest in our diocese, and, and somebody went in to see him, and they, they had cancer. Uh, I have lung cancer, and somebody went in to see him and said, you know, I really envy you. And they were like, why? He said, because you're so close to God right now. <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's really interesting because you feel like – you know, everything, like nothing else matters anymore. It's kind of like what you write about in the book here, right? Like uh, that, you know, the human being is the highest form of God's creation. 
and and that that means that all things in our life are worth less than us, and you can't take anything with you, and um, and when you're faced with your own mortality, boy, that smacks mm. you in the face pretty quickly, you know, and uh, and the things that are really important, like communion with God, uh, suddenly become very m- much more real and important, and um, you know, so I always tell people like cancer, it for me. Uh, you would never want to get it. You don't wish it, but but it hasn't been a, a bad thing either. And it's been good that has come from it as well. Yeah, I've often thought about that too. That the idea of you know the wages of sin or death. Mm. Why does it have to be drawn out in aging and suffering? And I think that's a, one of the gifts from God because when you're young, you remember how immortal you felt. You imagine if your whole life was feeling amazing, and all of a sudden you drop dead, and the chances of you actually not humbling yourself. Or in the case of aging, it humbles you. Mm. That brings you closer to God. Suffering, to your point, George, brings you closer to God. And I think that that's the gift of aging mm. that God gave us, that the wages of sin are death, but it, it's a drawn-out process for most people. Yeah. And, and that in itself is a gift because there's your opportunity for the humility that comes often before the, uh, the, the journey of faith. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and the gift of faith is, my gosh, look at the saints. You know, the closer you get to God, the more death becomes something you, you're anxious for in a positive way as opposed to fear, living in fear. So Yeah, and we, and we pray for, you know, your, your brother-in-law, Michael, that uh, his prognosis is, is good and that it's not, you know, uh, that he gets, gets yeah. time, you know, with his wife and his family yeah. and you guys. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on that right now. Um, but it, it, what you're saying is very real. I mean, it, this isn't, you know, and, and some people may say, wow, what, you know, you guys are getting... Uh, awfully deep, or this is, um, you know, uh, you know, th- th- this is you know, drastic, or this is uh, uh, a downer. No, death is a reality. Number mm-hmm. one, number two, for the saints, as, as both of you were saying, it, it's a doorway. That's what that's what death is. It's a doorway to eternal life if we so choose. Um, and, and and that's how they saw it. You know, of course, the the, the age old Latin phrase "memento mori." You know, remember death. This was something mm. many of the Christians early on uh, in the church they would walk around. Even you know, Saint Francis of Assisi, he'd walk around with a skull. You know, it, it's a reminder that one day he too will die. Mm. And and this is you know, this is one of my main messages to anyone that's going to listen: is one day you too shall die. Right, and, and and to keep that at the forefront of us, because we can either be living right now our lives for the temporal, or we can be living for the eternal. And so the idea is for us to be able to shift away from the temporal, to be able to shift to the eternal. And sometimes suffering is a very stark and needed reminder for us within that. Um, you know, we, we we talk about suffering as redemptive, and the phrase redemptive suffering that there is a redeeming nature to the suffering that happens in our lives, that, that the closer we get, as Mother Teresa would say, uh, to the cross, the closer we are able to uh, embrace and experience the kiss of Christ, which is, which is suffering. So just in general, for us to keep that at the forefront of our minds, mental more, remember one day we too shall die. One day, it is not about this life, it will be about life eternal with God. Again, if we so choose. And that's that's where we're all headed. That's where we all need the reminder of. You ask what what my main message is. It's right there. I mean, it is right there. Now living for the eternal, rather than just the temporal. That's great. I love that Latin memento more. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And you know, it's it's funny, John, because I'll share with you maybe a little bit on the lighter side. Is that as time goes on, I remember. So when my wife and I got in a fight, uh, it's maybe I don't know. 
a year and a half, maybe if maybe it was a couple years after uh, I was first diagnosed with cancer, and we got in a fight, and I was like, I can't believe after everything we've been through that we're actually getting in a fight now. What can we possibly fight? We had like a, I don't remember what it was about, but I'm like, what's, it's like, you know, it's like when the crisis is over, like, you know, you start leaning back towards the temporal again, as you said, Mm, you know? And uh, and I've noticed that you know it's uh, it happens. It's just it's just the, the valley of tears that we live in, right? <laughs> That's so true. Well, look, man, you know this. The devil's real. I mean, Satan is real. He he will come after you. He, he's the only one we can say to go to hell to and send them back to hell. And I, I do it on a regular basis. Go to hell in the name of Christ Jesus. He, but he always comes back. He will yeah. always always come back. And and that's just what he does. He, he will come back smarter. Uh, he'll try to outwit you. Uh, this is why you never dialogue with him. You just constantly send him to hell in, in, in the name of Jesus Christ. But but he's after us. I mean, we know this. Sacred Scripture, our Lord warned us about this. To keep focused on, on our Lord, it is a daily discipline It's a, because it can be so very easy for us to be uh, distracted away from it uh, or to lose that discipline, to lose that focus. So, yeah, it, it's very real, constant, every single day. This is why our Lord said, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciples, he said, take up your cross daily and follow me. And I think oftentimes we kind of remove the daily mm. and just think, okay, take up the cross and follow me. It's daily. That is where mm. our Lord is asking us every mm. single day of our lives. God left this thorn in my side, lest I forget who I am, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Amen. Indeed. Amen. So, Shifting back to to what you've worked on, uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. How can people get that? It's holiness, Billy. Holiness. holiness. I'm sorry, that's right. <laughs> Holy, I'm, I'm looking. Uh, holiness. Sorry about that, John. But how can people yeah, get right. that? They get it on Amazon. Where else can they get this book? Well, look, that, that, that little slip there is is I think a good thing because uh, it, first and foremost, if you want to be happy, you got to be holy, mm-hmm. right? If you want to be happy you got to be holy. That's what we were made for. That's the happiness God desires for us. Again, not the temporal happiness. Go to holinessbook.com, holinessbook.com, uh, and you can get your copy there. Wonderful. Is, uh, it sounds like um, everything that you're going through right now, um, are, are you contemplating uh, writing about suffering a little bit at this point now? So I've got a, a book I'm working on right now. Uh, the working title is Love is Death. Uh, which is very uplifting and inspiring. Um, as you but, <laughs> I feel uh, it right <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. the, idea, the idea is for us to understand love in a way of dying to ourselves. Again, take up your cross. That was very real. They understood what that was. It was the greatest force of execution that the Romans could, could, could inflict on someone, but yet this is the greatest act of love the Lord uh, would, would demonstrate. And so he would save us there from the cross. So in order for us to love, we must die to ourselves, as St. Paul says, no longer I who lives, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. It is a constant dying to ourselves and ego uh, in, in, in every way so that we may live, again, not for ourselves, but for our Lord. Sort of the paradox of the cross. Um, and, and there's so much to be said about imitation uh, of Christ, that whole vicarious atonement. You know, the, everyone remembers their mom saying, you know, if you come from a Catholic household, offer it up. That was like yeah. the worst thing to hear mm-hmm. when you were a kid, but really, it's it's the most one of the most important lessons to digest and to learn, because so much good um, can come from taking suffering, which on its sur- at, at its surface is is terrible and miserable, but inverting it into something beautiful um, by giving it as a gift, and and 
That's that's the paradox of the cross right there. And we can we can that's all it. deploy that every single day in our lives. I I think of Ephesians two ten with that, you know, we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for the good works that he's prepared for us in advance that we should live in them, right? Just saying yes, yes to the cross, yes to the little gifts he gives us each day, the inspirations, the, the praying for people, all that. And that's, that's, that's living the life of sanctification, of becoming that saint, I think. Preach it, my man. Hey. I love it. <laughs> Billy, we should send you out with John to, to do some parish. Where, where are we going, well. John? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Hey, listen, my name is great, though, for getting the uh, anti-Catholics there, right? Bill Maher is going to be speaking uh, about <laughs> Catholicism. <laughs> That's all good. So, Hey, John, we, I always like to ask uh, our guests, so um, what's your... Do you have a glory story? Like, you know, when you were growing up, were you always just this this uh, incredible evangelizer writing books from the get-go? Or <laughs> did you, uh, what, what's your what's your glory story growing up? How did you come to your faith? Um, you know how I came to my faith? I was a deacon at my high school. Um, he showed me the cross in a very real way. Um, and he, he was probably the most powerful evangelist that I've ever met in my life, and it wasn't because of anything he said. Every day, I would watch him during the lunch hour walk into the chapel, and he would sit there for his entire lunch. He never went and ate with the other teachers. He never went and ate with anyone else. He would just go and spend his 45 minutes in the chapel. And when it comes down to it, that's it. That's the one mm-hmm. thing that I took away from that man. It's the one thing that I'll always remember. It was the one thing that preached to me the most in my life, that this is real, and this is the most important thing. Above, uh, you know, food. I, look, I lost 130 pounds. I was, I was over 300 pounds about 10 years ago, well over 300 pounds. And I um, wow. I lost about 130 pounds in just diet and exercise. I loved food. I loved it. You know, mm. the, the, the things of the world give me more and more and more and more and more. But but he would he would show me there was something even greater than food itself. I'm still a foodie. I love good food. But he, he would show me that it's something even greater than food itself, something greater than, than what we have in this life, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So when it comes down to it, that was a conversion for me. It wasn't just one time seeing him do that. It was every single day of my life, and um, I still thank him to this day. That's my glory story. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Dowling Catholic High School here in Des Moines. Okay. Oh, okay. You're from Iowa. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yep. And what was your family life like? I mean, were your parents, did your family uh, go to Mass on Sundays? And, you know, what was your, what's your home life like growing up? Yeah, we, we went to Mass. We went to Mass. It, it, for, for me, faith was very cultural. For my dad and my mom, it was very cultural. You know, my dad's Italian. Uh, mom and dad are Italian. And my dad, you know, that, that thick Italian accent. He, I, I remember asking him one day, I was so mad I was missing kickoff because he would, we would get to Mass. We'd always get there five minutes late. Dad would tuck himself in the corner pew and fall asleep for most of that mom would argue with my sister the entire time. <laughs> uh, but, but I remember asking my dad um, one day, I said, Dad, why do we do all of this? What, what are we doing here? My dad gave me the most profound uh, words I've ever heard in my life. He looked at me and he said, because that's what we do. Because <laughs> uh, that's what we do. What do you mean that's what we do? And my dad just had, and still has, and my mom as well, just an incredible trust. If they would ask the questions not why they would ask the questions what what they are to believe what they are to memorize what they are to do and i i came to understand that's a very generationally different question than what i started asking i started mm. asking why mm. we believe what we believe and both are good questions to ask one comes from a place of trust the other one comes from a place 
I think, uh, often of maybe distrust right mm-hmm. away. And I think we're living in that today for many young people is they're asking the questions why. Again, not a bad question, but a question that we have the answers to. There's no questions about it that, you know, some of the greatest thinkers the world will ever know. Mm. Uh, we're, 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 we're Catholic philosophers and, and theologians. But um, I came to it from a very different place than my parents did. Thank God they gave me that foundation uh, and that reverence for the faith. Um, again, kind of an inherent trust. Uh, and they've come a long way, of course, in that uh, in that faith of theirs, and, and continue to inspire me. But, but yeah, that's that's the, the house I grew up in, and, and praise God, they gave me that foundation. How how do they? Um, what do they think about your career today? Oh, they they don't understand why anyone would ever bring me out to to, to a mission or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, no, they 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 love it. My my mom and dad are. Um, are, are, are my biggest quote unquote fans. I mean, they, they, they cheer me on wherever I go. I've never one time questioned that, um, you know, family life, life in general is messy and we're all a mess. You know, we, we all, we are all a mess. My wife was once asked true story, how she stays married to a man who travels six months out of the year. And she said, because he travels six months out of the year, <laughs> you know, so we're, we're all trying to make our lives work. We're all trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, but through that mess, when you can have some people in your corner and you got a good community, you got a good faith uh, community back home, with friends, uh, and I've got a, a men's group that are that are you know, kind of keeping me afloat uh, right now, and, 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 you know, with parents, it can kind of give you that solid foundation. Again, all will be well. And so there's a lot of graces there, and I, I praise God for that. That's awesome, John. Hey, listen, th- you know, we only have about a minute left um, before the show ends. This is really, really quickly. Thank you for coming on and, and being such a great guest. And I hope uh, one one time, one year soon, we'll be able to have you out for our men's conference, which is always in February. God bless you guys, man. I'd love to get listen, out there and, uh, and worship with you and, and uh, keep up the good work. All right, keep this show thriving. John, we've established that the Catholic Men for Jesus Christ Conference is the oldest conference in the history of humanity. It started <laughs> as the oldest in New Jersey. We established it was also the oldest in the Northeast. And then the East Coast, America. 25 years. World. This is going to be our Jubilee <laughs> conference year this year. It is indeed. Yeah, guys. Uh, get me out there. I'd love to see you. We, we will. will do it. And, guys, guys, look up Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Holiness. Get this book. And go to CatholicMenForJesusChrist.org and register for the conference on February 26th. Listen, guys, drive safe. God bless you all. John, God bless you and your ministry. We will see you soon.